This podcast of the Radio Cafe comes to you via radiocafe.org, where you can find more information and many other podcasts. Technical support comes from Studio X, providing website design, hosting, e-commerce, and social media marketing, serving Santa Fe to the world since 1994. Find out more at studiox.com. I'm delighted to welcome to the Radio Cafe filmmaker Macy Crow. Her documentary, Jackson, is screening as part of the Santa Fe Independent Film Festival. Welcome to the Radio Cafe. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Great to have you here. It's an amazing, very moving film that you have made, at least to me. It's a film about the last abortion clinic in Mississippi. How did you come to this story? Um, I read an article back in 2012 in Jezebel about House Bill 1390, which threatened to close the clinic because um, it was requiring doctors to get admitting privileges at local hospitals, uh, even though it was, that was a nearly impossible task. And it was an impossible task, not because there was anything that the doctors lacked, but the hospitals either didn't believe in abortion at all or didn't want to be associated with these doctors because they know about the protesters. Correct. So, um, and thank you for pointing that out. The doctors that provide care at Jackson Women's Health Organization travel in from out of state. And that, to begin with, is often a requirement for providers is that they live in the same state as the hospital. And I think probably even, you know, within a certain distance of the hospital. But secondly, the majority of hospitals were religiously affiliated in and around Jackson. And then additionally, the number of protesters that follow these physicians and providers everywhere, you know, would be very disruptive to the hospital itself. Right, so, right. And the, the other thing to note is that abortion is an incredibly safe procedure. And the rate of women actually going to the hospital from an abortion procedure is so, so small. And they would be seen regardless of whether or not their doctor had admitting privileges. So it's kind of a law that is is just pretty much irrelevant to um, abortion care. And the only reason these laws are enacted is to, and the politicians that we see in the film talking about this and the activists, the anti-choice activists, are very clear they wanted to make Mississippi a state where no abortions are ever performed. Right. I mean, I think there's a line in the film where uh, one of the politicians says we want to make Mississippi abortion-free. So it's very clear what their intentions and their motives are with passing these laws, and they're called trap laws. There's been a number of them passed over the the past few years um, in states across the country. One of the things that's so striking about this film is all the abortion clinic protesters are white, while the clinic director, the doctor, many of the patients are all African-American. How do you understand the racial dimensions of this whole dynamic? I think, you know, race has played a huge role in reproductive freedom and justice um, throughout history in, in the U.S. And, you know, we're seeing it again here in Mississippi where you have, you know, the protesters are, for the most part, white 
white male protesters and the women seeking care are um, young black women. And there is a very nuanced history of racism in, in Mississippi. And I think that this is just another component of that. Yeah, it really looks like that. I mean, you've made the film from, obviously, from a perspective. There's probably different perspectives on this, but it looks a lot like white people telling black people what to do and how to live, which is pretty loaded in a place with a history of slavery and Jim Crow. Right. And that's, I mean, I think that's exactly what um, the anti-abortion movement is doing whether they know they're doing it intentionally or not. You know, I think there's a a great line from Dr. Willie Parker in the film where he says, people ask me all the time if it's racist, what's happening here? But it doesn't have to be overtly racist to still have the same effects, you know? Yeah. So whether or not their motives are to be racist, you know, no, no one spoke directly to that, but the effects are certainly the same. There's a moment in the film where he's talking about a young woman who'd been shot by the Taliban for promoting women's education. And he said, you know, the effect in Mississippi, it's not the same thing, but it kind of has the same effect because all these women who are basically, essentially, I don't want to say this word, but it's like forced to have way more children than they want... Yeah, I mean, he is saying that by denying a woman all of her options and providing her the resources for all of those options is forcing someone into motherhood. And there's been a long, dark history of that in the South, you know? I mean, going all the way back to slavery. when Black women did not have control over their um, reproductive decisions. And for it to be 2016 and... and you know, although it's somewhat more subtle, you know, it still exists. And and that's, I think, what we're seeing in places like Mississippi. You follow the story of a 24-year-old black woman named April Jackson. When the film starts, she has four children. She's pregnant with the fifth. She makes it pretty clear that she doesn't really want to have a fifth child, but she's convinced to keep the child by people at an institution called Crisis Pregnancy Centers. What are these centers? The Crisis Pregnancy Centers are um, often funded by the pro-life movement, and they often take names um, with the word choice in them. So Crisis Pregnancy Centers are a generic term for what the Center for Pregnancy Choices is. And the Center for Pregnancy Choices is um, run by one of the main characters in my film, Barbara Beepers, It purports to offer choices to women in unplanned crisis pregnancy situations. However, we know that they're funded by the anti-abortion pro-life movement. And, you know, I think we cut to a shot in the film where you see a sign on Barbara's bulletin board that says, you know, essentially our main purpose is to erase a woman's perceived need for an abortion. So they, they, they really exist to... Uh, deter women in any way possible from um, accessing abortion care. But then the other way of that is to offer pregnancy tests and sonograms. And during those sonograms, the sonograms 
on a very large screen, and women are forced to look at um, a pregnancy that they may not want to keep. Um, and they use that as a tactic to hopefully humanize the fetus in their eyes that they believe that that's humanizing the fetus and therefore convincing a woman not to abort her child. And while they're doing that, they're always referring to it as the baby as opposed to as the fetus or anything else and are very sort of like cooing as if it were already born. Like, oh, look at the little, you know, that kind of thing, which is really pretty manipulative. Right. It's incredibly manipulative, especially for a woman who's in a, a situation where she is still determining whether or not and I think women go in there oftentimes not knowing, you know, what they're getting into, but are lured in by the offer of, of free medical care because Mississippi is a place where it is rather challenging, you know, even to go in and um, go to the health center. It's, you know, sometimes can be up to four hours of a wait. And so for a woman who just needs to determine whether or not she's pregnant and get a sonogram and a confirmation of pregnancy, which will allow her to go um, to a, you know, go and make an appointment at a health center if she does want prenatal care or to kind of make, you know, explore what her options are, she it's enticing to um, have those options be free. But that obviously comes with a lot of other things that I don't think women are necessarily prepared for when they go in there. April Jackson, one of the characters in your film, the the young mother of four, about to be five, goes in there. She uses their services. And I wondered, like, what was the dynamic of, I mean, you were filming her. You were, it looks like, probably becoming pretty close to her over time. What were your conversations with her like, perhaps off screen, about the choices that she was making, if you had them? So I met April at the Crisis Pregnancy Center. I was actually already filming Barbara when she came in uh, to the Crisis Pregnancy Center, and I asked her if I could film her, and she was very open about it, you know. And we had a lot of discussion about the family's views on abortion, why she had not thought that out as an option for an unwanted pregnancy in the past, and we, we've constantly just had conversations. You know, I think what I found the most alarming was the lack of sex education in school. It's abstinence-based in Mississippi. And so it was more difficult to access information for women in Mississippi than it is for in other places. And I think just people had all of the information needed to make her own decisions was very important to me because I saw that she wasn't getting um, the correct information at the Christmas it was not factual. And you see some of that in the film, and I think it's very alarming uh, when, when you realize some of the things that women are being told at these places that purport to be medical centers and actually look like medical centers because you have um, the woman operating the sonogram machine dressed like a nurse. Um, I don't know if she is a nurse or not, um, but she certainly is dressed like one. And then they're offering information that is oftentimes not medically accurate in the larger sense, you know, of what uh, mainstream society believes medically accurate. I think there's so many women like April Jackson in Mississippi 
in the United States who don't have the resources to prevent pregnancy, don't have the education, and whose dreams are just never realized. And I was watching this film, I felt so much love for her because she's so vulnerable and she has so much inside, which one fears is just never really going to be able to be expressed. And her children are so loving and they're good kids, even as they're sleeping four in a bed. How is she surviving? How are women like her surviving in this world where basically they are forced to have way more children than they can handle? Yeah, I mean, you know, April works uh, in the film. She was working uh, two jobs at Walmart and her mother was also working and they were basically making sure that their shifts don't overlap so they could take turns taking care of the children. It's a very, like, paycheck-to-paycheck paycheck type job um, or, you know, life, and it's, it's incredibly challenging. And April is a wonderful, wonderful mother who is literally not given any sort of, of break, and it's it's just kind of nonstop. And then for her to not have the ability, because it really doesn't exist, to access the information that she needs to make um, decisions that she wants to make, um, it, it just it continues to perpetuate the problem. You know, one of the only places that offers birth control and in, an, in a very easy way where you come in, get it, make an appointment, and it's not this like four-hour wait situation for low-income women is the abortion clinic. And, you know, I think there are certain women that don't want to have to run through the gauntlet of protesters to go in there. And I don't blame them. Uh, it's really scary. I remember the first time I went to the clinic, I was horrified by the people yelling on the other side of the fence. And so for that to be one of the easiest places to go get birth control, yet knowing that when you pull up into that parking lot, you're going to be harassed, um, I think it deters women. And I think the, the bigger problem is that there's not more access to contraception for women when they, when they want it and when they want to be on it. And it's really a regulation of women's reproductive health care that is very, you know, it's disproportionately affecting low-income women and women of color, and it's happening across the U.S. Another person that I fell in love with in this film was Shannon Brewer, who is the director of the abortion clinic. And she is somebody who perhaps in some ways had a similar past to April Jackson. She has a lot of kids herself. She's she's a bit older, obviously. Um, she's the director of the clinic. She'd been, she started there. She kind of started at the bottom, worked her way up. And she's a wonderful, also very vulnerable character and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the process of making the film and how you gained the trust of the people whom you filmed. Sure. I really work hard to develop close relationships with the people that I film. I think it's really important to have that vulnerability and one of the things I've learned um, is that I oftentimes have to be vulnerable myself. You know, I'm very open with my life and who I am and what my thoughts are. And I develop close friendships with um, my characters oftentimes. And, 
you know, when I first went to the clinic, Shannon did not trust me, and she told me, no, I could not film her. And I, you know, kept going back, and I started filming Dr. Parker, actually, and filmed Shannon somewhat and made a short film, a profile of the clinic itself. And when Shannon saw that, she, I think she realized that I was, um, you know, in fact, doing what I said I was going to do. And when I decided to make a feature film and began talking more with her about uh, being one of the main characters, she was she was really open to it. And at that point, you know, I had spent about a year in her life, and we had become closer. And so I think it was just, it was a process of gaining her trust. And, you know, April and Shannon were the first two people that I showed the finished film to. And for them both to feel like the film was representative and, and like the film and, and see, you know, its importance and its value and be supporters of the film were, um, I think, the biggest moment for me in making this film uh, because I always I want to do them justice. Now, you also follow an anti-abortion woman named Barbara Beavers. What was your relationship like with her? I mean, you seem to have gained her trust as well. Sure. I, I did gain her trust, and I was, you know, I had a... a different but similar relationship in terms of, you know, I was very open about my beliefs, and she and I have different beliefs, but I was never, um, I didn't conceal that I was pro-choice or feminist or or what my thoughts, but Barbara was very gracious in, in letting me film at the Crisis Pregnancy Center, and I do think one of my biggest goals in making this film was um, to really show both sides as they are, you know, and my beliefs do not align with Barbara's, but I do feel like there was no manipulation in making the film and in what I show. And in that way, you know, I've been told by multiple people that it feels like a very balanced film. And so I think that Barbara feels like it, it was a balanced, balanced film. Um, I think more of her concern has been with, you know, press coverage of the film, and I think the way that the outside world kind of views the role of crisis pregnancy centers. I kept asking myself as I was watching the film, what's in it for the protesters? What is in it for the anti-abortion protesters? I mean, it's been discussed for decades to the nth degree that the same people who don't believe in abortion also don't believe in welfare, child care, that kind of thing. And or birth control. Right. And spending actual tax money on it. So what is their thought process? Like what is what motivates them to be willing to get out there every single day and harass women on their way into a clinic? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, I show what's happening down there, but um, I think that they truly believe that a fetus is a child. You know, and, and a fetus, you know, has these human characteristics be- well before it's ever born. You know, and I think that they believe it's murder. And I think that they're fighting for what they believe in. I just think that they're not looking at the bigger picture and not, um, I don't know, they, they, they really truly believe in what they believe. And it's, it's different from what I believe and it's different from what... Um, people who want to provide women with options believe, but they're very uh, steadfast in their beliefs. And I can't really venture to say what's behind that other than 
they seem to not want to bend in any sort of way. I mean, one does wonder, I found myself wondering if there was an anti-sex component to it. Because at one point you ask Barbara Beavers if at this point she would be okay with April getting birth control. And she said, well, she needs self-control, not birth control. Well, people are going to have sex. Are they? Do they really think that people shouldn't? I mean, but the, the pro-life movement is really governed by the religious right. And a big um, thing that they use is this idea of waiting until you're married to have sex. Um, they can they continue to hold on to that, you know, as uh, society changes. Um, and they, yeah, tend to believe that women should wait until they're married to have sex, which is just not realistic in any sort of realm. I mean, I don't know anyone who 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 does that. And so to withhold information from women until they're married about how to regulate their reproductive decisions, how to kind of manage their reproductive decisions, it just is not is not functional. But yeah, they're they're very much anti sex if you're not married. They talk a lot about virginity, they talk a lot about, you know, saving yourself and they're not looking at the bigger picture of human beings are sexual beings and and want to have sex and want to be able to make their own decisions. We're talking about the film Jackson, and besides being a very powerful film on the issues, it's also a beautiful work of filmmaking with landscapes and cityscapes kind of quietly punctuating the film, giving us a sense of place and of mood. Your own background is in both filmmaking and documentary photography. Do you feel like your photography background influenced the look of the film? Sure, I'm sure it does. You know, my as you said, my background is in documentary photography. So um, I really tend to come to the visuals, especially not the verite moments, um, I think with an eye from photography. You've been traveling to film festivals. You've been traveling around the country with this film. How have people been responding to it? It's been, you know, we've gotten an overwhelmingly positive response. It's been really um, exciting to see people want to, to see this film. You know, I don't think it's a huge selling point when you're like, oh, a film on abortion. That's exactly what I want to go, <laughs> you know, right. sit for two hours or an hour and a half and watch. But, um, it's, you know, a lot of people have, have come out and then a lot of people have, after seeing it, spread the word of the film, you know, go see this film, which is, which is really exciting. And a lot of people leave there wanting to know how to take action and how to um, help change what's happening in Mississippi. Um, and, you know, that's really motivating. And it's been, it's been really exciting to see the way the film is being received. I have to say, I mean, I watched it yesterday And I've been kind of living in the world of that film. I feel like I've been walking around with that. I've just been carrying it around with me. It's it's really good and powerful and not not only, I mean, for people who are pro-choice, frustrating or whatever. It's just a it's a very good work of film. I want to ask you how being in this film and having it shown to so many people has affected April Jackson, the young mother of many children. Um, 
last week April came to a screening of the film in New Orleans and spoke on the Q and A afterwards and it was it was really um exciting to see how empowered she is speaking about how, you know, her choices have been influenced by the crisis pregnancy centers and what now she's seeing in the film about the way the crisis pregnancy centers act. You know, they they certainly ask one way in front of her and a different way when she's not around. And I think that that was very eye-opening for her to see that. And we talked a lot about it throughout the making of the film, you know, and, and we would tell her the way that they were acting, uh, but I think it's a little different to actually see it in person. And I think that she was hurt by some of the things that were said about her um, by the Crisis Pregnancy Center when she was not there. And I think that that hurt has uh, channeled its way into becoming motivation for her to to really speak out about, you know, what her beliefs are and, and how it has been challenging to access the care that she needs. It would be wonderful if black women across the country could see this film. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be great if, if just women across the country um, could see the film or people in general. I don't even think yeah. it's specific to women because I think it's something that is often left out of the conversation and, and should become more of a mainstream conversation because I think there's a disparity in reproductive health care. And, you know, what my creative collaborator, Jamie Boyle, and I really worked to do was put human faces on these larger issues because I think when you see the story um, through the eyes of, of these individual women and how it affects them on the day-to-day, I think you really start to um, have a different understanding, a better understanding of of what the problems are and how they might be better addressed. Macy Crow is a filmmaker. Her documentary, Jackson, is screening as part of the Santa Fe Independent Film Festival. It's at the Violet Crown on Thursday at 1.15, Saturday at 1.30, and Sunday at 2.30. For more information, you can go to SantaFeIndependentFilmFestival.com. Macy, thank you for spending all this time with us today on the Radio Cafe. Of course. Thank you so much. This has been such an honor, and I look forward to screening the film in Santa Fe. You will be there doing Q&A at the screenings? Yes, I will. Excellent. Thanks for listening to the podcast. To support the program, you can go to RadioCafe.org. Many thanks to StudioX.com for their technical support and web design.